How's it going? Uh, today's first Sunday of the month. That means all in. That means we have our children here with us. And if kids, if you want to, you may make your way back to the tables in the back and uh, have a good time back there. Um, a lot going on in our world, huh? Um, we're uh, going to jump into Luke 18 here in a moment. But uh, before we jump, jump into the text, I want to take a moment and just pray for our uh, friends and fellow human beings in Puerto Rico. Will you join me? God, thanks for another Sunday and the opportunity to be here. And God, uh, we all got up this morning and had homes to live in and cars to drive and uh, clothes to put on and food to eat. And God, we pray for those who don't. Uh, specifically, God, praying for our brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico who are suffering the devastation of this latest hurricane. God, I pray that uh, the desperately needed aid would get where it needs to get and get there quickly. And God, we pray for more volunteers, more movement, uh, more mobilization uh, in this time of great need. God, as we open the text this morning, I pray that you would speak to us, that we would listen, and that we would be moved to be more of who you created us to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. Uh, does everyone have one of these cards? Yeah? Oh, all right. Good deal. Um, Luke 18. We are in our first mini-series of our big series, Three Years with Jesus. And we're looking at a parable called the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Uh, it follows on the heels of a parable we looked at a couple of weeks ago, the parable of the persistent widow. And this parable, the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee, is a story Jesus told, and Luke tells us why he told it. He says in verse 9, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now... This was 2,000 years ago, so I know this is hard for us to imagine because we have evolved so much. I mean, humanity has moved forward so much that we don't look down on anyone today. But just imagine, if you will, 2,000 years ago, there were actually people who looked down on other people. I know, this is, this is very difficult for us to wrap our minds around, that there would be people who would look down on other people, but this was the way it was 2,000 years ago. So let's just try to imagine that for a moment. Jesus tells this story uh, to those who feel entitled, to those uh, who feel better than others, to those who look at others and say, that's not me, and I'm glad that's not me. Uh, Jesus tells this story, and he says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So right away, Jesus is using two characters that are diametrically opposed. Pharisees were religious leaders. They were the uber-religious. Think super-Christian here. Uh, they were involved in everything, serving their community, serving their synagogue, giving this, giving that, uh, following the law, every jot and tittle. They were good people. They were righteous, and they knew it. Uh, 
This Pharisee, a good man, goes up to the temple to pray. And then there's a tax collector who goes up to the temple to pray. Now, tax collectors, uh, under Roman rule in the Roman Empire, what Rome would do is they would identify natives in each colony that they overtook, that they were in control of. And what they did is they, they picked people who were from those places to collect taxes from their own people so that they didn't have to do it themselves because they knew that if you're from the place, you know the people better, you know what kind of income they have, and you know how to tax them best. Now, here was the deal. Here was the arrangement between Rome and local tax collectors. Uh, you can collect as much as you want from your fellow citizens, but you have to give us this certain amount. And so tax collectors in Israel were Jews collecting taxes from their fellow Jews, and they were getting rich off of taxing their fellow Jews, most of whom, 90% of the Jewish people in the first century were, were, were considered poor. They uh, had a very low income, just struggling to survive. And these tax collectors were getting rich off the backs of their poor fellow Jews. And so this tax collector is well off and he goes up to the temple to pray. This tax collector has a fancy house, a fancy car, fancy everything. Next to this Pharisee who follows the law in every way. And Jesus says, the Pharisee, verse 11, stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Now, uh, the word evildoers there in the Greek is very similar to the word righteous used in verse 9. Uh, the word, verse 9, righteous, in, in verse 11, it's unrighteous. And so there's a little play on words. The Pharisee is righteous. The tax collector is unrighteous. And so the Pharisee is praying to God, thanking God that he's not like these other people, and particularly this tax collector. Verse 12, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now, um, it could be very easy to look at this, at this parable and, and look at the Pharisee and, and look down on him. Interestingly, it says this story was told to people who looked down on others. And so we need to be very careful here, don't we? Uh, because the Pharisee is looking down on the tax collector. Are we looking down on the Pharisee? Because here's the thing. This Pharisee, uh, in most regards, he's a good man. He, he fasts twice a week when you're only required by the law to fast once a week. I mean, once a, a year on the Day of Atonement. He, he gives a tenth of all he has back to God. Uh, he's probably a good husband, a good businessman, a, a good religious leader. Uh, not all Pharisees were this awful thing we think of when we think of Pharisees. This guy, uh, in, in all rights and purposes, in his community, is probably a pretty decent human being. What we would call, he's a, he's a good man. Um, I mean, let's be honest. This guy, 
I can name you 10 churches right now in Marin who would want this guy in their church. He gives 10%. I'll take him. Our board will take him. We'll take him. He gives 10%. Uh, so we need to be careful at how we turn the tables and the way we're looking at the Pharisee. But this Pharisee, he's grateful that he's not like other people. And so there seems to be maybe just a little bit of pride. Uh, and then the tax collector. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Two very different prayers here, aren't there? Uh, Pharisee, thank you, God, that I'm not like these other people. And by the way, here's my resume. Uh, the tax collector, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Now, again, the word here, justified, in the Greek, it is intimately related to the word righteous in verse 9. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I tell you the truth, that this man, rather than the other, went home righteous before God. Jesus turns the whole thing on its head. Pharisee believes he's righteous, and Jesus says, actually, the righteous one here is the one you're looking down on, the tax collector. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Uh, how do you look down? Um, we live in a world where uh, we have to prove ourselves, right? We, we have to have the best resume. We have to have the best credentials. We have to have the best things. We, we have to have uh, the, the, the best grades. Um, and so I, I wonder how much of that creates our identity and who we are, the things we do, the things we accomplish uh, to prove our worth. Um, I, need, I need three volunteers. I've already asked Doug Sands to be one because I thought of him for one of them. But I need, I need a high schooler, either junior or senior in high school, and I need uh, a mom. All right? Max, Doug, come on up. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Mom? Christine Lenahan? Huh? Come on. All right, Max, right here. That's Christine. This is you. Okay, don't look at your cards yet. Keep them down. Cards are dealt, but they're face down. Oh, I love how you got your coffee. Uh, all right. Uh, we're playing a little poker here. And uh, these three are uh, trying to prove their worth. Uh, and that they got the best cards, and prove to God they got the best cards. Uh, the tax collector was sitting here, and he folded. He already folded. Uh, here's the deal. Uh, God, God owns the place, and he invited them all for a free drink at the bar, and the tax collector took them up on it.
but the other three didn't because they, they got to prove that they can earn the drink uh, rather than get the free drink. So um, player number one, why don't you read your cards, tell everybody what kind of cards you're carrying. No, no, start at the beginning. <laughs> I'm an awesome lawyer and an even better DJ. Both true. I'm a faithful husband, father, son, and friend. I serve my family, I serve my church, I serve my community. I'm a good dude. I give my pastor really good coffee whenever he wants it. Usually ritual, four barrel or equator. Frankly, I'm very proud of my humility. <laughs> All right, Max, what cards are you holding? AP classes, all A's. <laughs> I'm great at sports and drama and music, and well, I'm just great. <laughs> I serve others. I'm very humble about it. Best written college application essay ever. I'm awesome. Other parents wish I was their kid. <laughs> All true. I wish you were my kid. Right on. Woo. I'll take you. I'm worried. <laughs> okay. I take the kids here. I take the kids there. Take the kids everywhere. Can't they see how awesome I am? So true, right? <laughs> I make dinner all the time. Yes. Let me tell you all the amazing things about my kids. Now can you see what an awesome mom I am? <laughs> I clean, I do everything. I'm a good wife, and I'm a good mom, and I'm a good friend. Frankly, I am so good. <laughs> Ask Jim. <laughs> all right, give a good hand to our volunteers. You guys can sit down. Here's the thing, we, we live in a world that tells us our worth is based off of how good we are, how much we accomplish, how good our resume is, how good our grades are, how good that college application is, how, how good everything is, how much we accomplish. Uh, this is the world we live in, a and the story Jesus tells, though, is that this tax collector, an outcast in society, frankly, one that all his fellow Jews look down on, all his fellow Jews despise because he's friendly with the enemy. He's friendly with Rome. And everyone is looking down on him. And Jesus says, he's the one who goes home justified or righteous, more so than the Pharisee who's got the good resume, who's got everything 
going for him. In, in terms of the way the community views him, he's a good guy. And in terms of the way the community views the tax collector, he's a bad dude. In terms of the way Jesus tells the story of how God views the tax collector, in God's eyes, he's righteous and justified. Uh, that this parable would deeply disturb and upset Jesus' first century hearers. They would not like this story. And when we think about God's unbelievable, limitless grace, I wonder for us how often we don't particularly care for God's grace on those that we feel don't deserve it. Uh, Robert Farrar Capon, he says this story, the point of the parable is that they are both dead and their only hope is someone who can raise the dead. Only when you are finally able with the tax collector to admit that you are dead will you be able to stop balking at grace. Uh, the difference between the tax collector and the Pharisee is the tax collector knows he's dead. The tax collector knows he's lost the game. The tax collector has already folded and said, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, the difference is the Pharisee doesn't realize he's dead. He doesn't realize he's lost the hand. He doesn't realize how desperately in need of God's grace he is. And therefore, the tax collector goes home justified, righteous in God's eyes, because he's fallen on the mercy of God and realizes, apart from God and his grace, I'm dead. I'm dead. This is the mystery and beauty of God's grace, is that it's limitless and it's absolutely free. Paul tells us in Ephesians, next slide, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And so that we, we must come to terms with our deadness. We must come to terms with the fact that the hand we carry, as good as we think it is, it's a losing hand apart from grace. Apart from grace. Paul, a little further in Ephesians 2, says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. No one can boast from their works. No one can boast with the cards you're carrying. Whatever your cards are, whatever your greatness, whatever your awesomeness, uh, you got to fold and recognize your deadness in order to experience the mercy and grace of God. Now the danger is then we, we just, it's all grace, it's all grace, and it is all grace. Uh, but we recognize that the cards we carry, we're, we're responsible for these cards, aren't we? These aren't all bad things. So much of this, th these are really great 
things. It's how we carry them, though, isn't it? It's how we carry the cards. Do you carry your cards with grace? Do you carry your cards recognizing they are gift, sheer gift? The fact that you have breath, if you're a husband or a wife or a parent or a son or a daughter, uh, whatever you do vocationally, uh, whatever school you go to or whatever school you're going to go to or whatever school you hope to go to, do you hold it and recognize it's all grace? Because it, it, it's by grace you've been saved, not works. But then next slide, very next verse, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we don't just skate off on grace and not live with grace with the cards we've been given. We recognize that we have a responsibility. God created us for something. God created us out of grace and for grace and to live that grace, but to do something with that grace. He created us for good works. The good works don't save us. The good works don't win the hand. The good works don't mean anything to God when we are trying to present our resume. What they mean is grace. Isn't this amazing? God's grace that he created me for this and I get to do this and I get to live this way and I get to serve and I get to give and I get to be this person in the world that God has created me to be. It's all grace. And so I wonder, how are you holding your grace? I wonder, how are you living your grace? I wonder, what, what are you doing with this grace you have been so freely given? How are you living out the good works which God prepared for you to live? What does that look like for you in your life to live out the good works which God created for you to do in advance. Um, there are different ways to hold the cards you may have. One way is the way of the Pharisee who looks down on others. The other way is the way of grace which says I've been given so much what am I going to do with it? How am I going to give back? How am I going to live out of the person God created me to be? Uh, Jesus tells this parable to those who look down on others. How do you look down? What's striking to me is the Pharisee looks down on the tax collector, but the tax collector stood at a difference. He would not even, what? Look up. Uh, the light of God's grace and mercy is so bright, he can't look up. He must look down. How is the Pharisee looking up? How is the tax collector looking up? How is the Pharisee looking down? How is the tax collector looking down? The Pharisee looks down on the tax collector. The tax collector looks down in humility and in the blazing light of God's Grace, how are you looking down? Uh, the, the reality is, 
for most of us, it's a both and, isn't it? We wrestle with the tension of looking down on others and looking down in humility in light of God's grace. I wonder what it looks like for us this morning to move further and further away from the looking down on others and further and further in to God's grace and recognizing that his grace has saved us. His grace has created us for so much more. Um, when When we look down on others, I think a huge root of what's going on there is a a lack of empathy. Uh, Empathy, ultimately, is to put yourself in the shoes of another, right? To to look at their experience and, and try to relate, to understand their experience. Now, um, something I've done as an exercise uh, with a number of people, and a number of you have been a part of this, is inviting you to look at a scripture text similar to this one, and imagine you're the Pharisee, or imagine you're the tax collector, or imagine you're one of Jesus' disciples, or imagine you're one of the bystanders just listening to this story. Imagine yourself in the story and ask these four questions. Who am I? Where am I? What's wrong? What's the remedy? So if you're the Pharisee, ask those four questions. If you're the tax collector, ask those four questions. Uh, I believe these four questions help us enter into the experience of another in a profound way. And so I simply want to ask you this. Who, uh, Who might you be struggling with looking down on? Um... And then I want you to put yourself in their shoes for a moment and ask these four questions. Um, Do you look down on a football player who takes a knee? If so, maybe just for a moment, put yourself in their position and ask those four questions. Do you look down on the person who's critical of the football player who takes a knee? Because I guarantee in this room we got both. And, And so maybe for a moment you put yourself in the position of the person who's critical and ask yourself those four questions. Uh, Do you look down on another people group? Do you look down on another nation? Do you look down on a family member, a sister, a brother, a cousin? Do you look down on a classmate, a teacher, a coach? Do you look down on a coworker who's not doing as much work as you are? Do you look down, fill in the blank, who is it? And I simply want to invite you to ask these four questions as if you're them. Doesn't mean you're going to agree with them. Doesn't mean you're going to become buddy-buddy with them. It will simply 
cause you to have greater grace and empathy towards where they are coming from. When I was in Michigan and I, uh, I taught college classes as an adjunct, um, often students would come to me with conflict with a roommate or, or another student, and, and this is what I always invited them to do. Just for a moment, put yourself in your roommate's shoes, and I want you to ask these four questions. Doesn't mean you'll agree with your roommate's perspective, doesn't mean uh, you'll totally change your mind and, and come to their perspective, but what it will do is create grace and empathy in you. Because here's the reality, friends, you cannot change anyone. You can only change what's going on inside of you by grace. And with God's grace and your willingness to receive God's grace as you look at the perspective of another, you will change. And it'll be beautiful and glorious. Uh, how do you look down? Uh, what, what would it look like for us to move further and further away from looking down on others and further and further into the light of God's grace that we receive. Uh, last slide. Our ability to accept God's grace will have a direct impact on our capacity to give grace and have empathy. If, if we are holding the cards like the Pharisee and saying, I'm glad I'm not like that person and look, I do this and I do this, we're not receiving grace and therefore we can't be empathetic. But when we fold in the light of God's grace, it creates grace in us and gives us the capacity to have empathy and grace toward another. Uh, you all have a card? What cards are you holding? I wonder what, uh, what's on your resume that, frankly, you're, you're pretty proud of. And... And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But, but I wonder, what, what are you holding that may cause you to look down on another? Simply write it down. And then, uh, who's that person? Who's that person that you uh, struggle looking down on? And simply write that down. And then, as we come and partake of God's grace, the Eucharist, the good gift, this table, the bread and the cup, God's grace to us, his blood poured out for us on the cross, his body given for us on the cross, this amazing act of grace that offers salvation to the world. As you come and take the bread and dip in the cup, before you receive that good gift, that good grace, from God this morning? What does it look like for you to lay your card on the table and fold and say, God, I, I, I am desperate for your grace. God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. We, we all need this grace so that we can live more fully into who God created us 
to be and spread that grace around the world. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for this story that helps open our eyes to our posture. God, I pray that you would help us to lay our cards down, uh, to be a people of humility and grace. God, give us empathy. Help us to put ourselves in the shoes of another and see things from their perspective to be able to understand more fully where others are coming from. God, enable us more than ever to receive your grace, to recognize our need for your grace, and to spread your grace. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.